Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to the Yahoo Fantasy Football Forecast, which of course is a fantasy football podcast. And I am Scott Pianowski, your co-host today. I'm joined by the man, the myth, the legend, the proprietor of Reception Perception, my friend and colleague, Mr. Matt Harmon. Aloha. Scott, thanks so much for, for having me. Like we said before we started recording, it's uh, nice that we actually have something big and juicy to talk about here and sort of there's there's all these weird times and weird pockets in the NFL calendar where things get ultra slow and like we're just basically I don't know about you. I'm abstaining as much as possible from these stupid, like meaningless back and forth uh, debates about a wide receiver prospect who's going to go in round five and probably will never matter anyways. But that's about like the only thing that normally happens in this time of year. But luckily, the NFL is gracious enough to give us both something to talk about. Yeah, I love it. And, and look, I'm, I'm going to be honest. I mean, I'm, I'm doing a lot of football right now. I, I was doing a lot of work at the college basketball tournament. Uh, I'm going to be working on a master's piece. Later today, we're taping Tuesday, April 6th. Uh, be to your inbox shortly. I'm paying attention to the NFL, but I'm I'm not coming out for the backup left tackle signings. You know, I'm not coming <laughs> out for the for the punter signings. I, I need to have the impact moves made on the NFL calendar where I'm going to talk. And we get a great one. Uh, we, we knew the Jets were probably going to move on from Sam Darnold at some point, And they were shopping and they were shopping. Finally come to an agreement, trade them out of conference, which is what teams like to do when they're afraid somebody might haunt them. They trade him to your former team for life, the Carolina Panthers. Uh, Sixth-round pick goes to the Jets this year, a number two and a number four in 2022. I have not seen any of your takes, so I don't even know if we're going to line up on this. Uh, just where do you come down on the the big Sam Darnold trade of 2021? Yeah, so I actually do think, despite the fact that Sam Darnold, he's a big name, right? But he hasn't necess- he's not been a good player at all. Um, and there's a lot of statistical uh, measurements that you can throw out there about how he just, I mean, from any measure, he's not been a good quarterback. I, I still think this is an interesting trade because it obviously shows the Jets' hands straight out that they are going to take a quarterback at number two. Sounds like it's going to be Zach Wilson. That's interesting. I do think hitting the reset button for them is probably the right thing to do. Even if the new Jets brain trust, you know, Joe Douglas has been there with Sam Donald for a couple of years, but the coaching staff, the offensive coordinator, uh, one of the LaFleur guys, and obviously Robert Sala is the head coach. Even if in their heart of hearts they believe Sam Darnold can be rehabilitated, it probably just makes sense to hit the refresh button. I also think it was kind of crazy that there was any thought that they could have a rookie and Sam Darnold in the building. Like, if you're Robert Sala, the last thing you want to be doing is dealing with, like, a quarterback controversy in your first year. So I think it's the right move from the Jets' perspective, no matter what they get in um, a draft pick haul. And I think this is a de- it's a decent, not great, but not terrible haul from them. Um, on the Panthers' side, Scott, I-, I would love to go back and forth with you on this one because I'm having a tough tough time getting it uh i'm having a tough time understanding the the panthers as a whole and obviously like you mentioned i have kind of a tortured attachment to the team but i don't really like the bears are the poster child right now for team and organization with zero plan and zero direction just kind of spinning their wheels but you know the panthers even though they're just they're less than two calendar years into the matt rule experience I still don't know what the hell the Panthers plan are, you know, like they, they it feels like they're kind of throwing stuff at the wall to see what sticks at the quarterback position in the second year post Cam Newton. I just don't really think 
I think a couple of things. I think obviously there's more theoretical upside with Sam Darnold, but there's zero argument that he's been a better player than Teddy Bridgewater in the NFL. Like there's no, there's just no case to be made for that. Um, It's weird that they soured on Bridgewater so quickly for being exactly who he's been his entire career. And I guess like if they want a guy that's going to take chances, Darnold again is theoretically that guy, but basically any analysis that we bring with, what Sam Darnold could be for the Panthers or what they are hoping for him to be. It's all in theory because he's been a straight up bad NFL player so far. This is where I become, I guess, a Sam Darnold apologist. I I didn't intend to spend my life that way, but I guess I'm going to go down that path. He's always going to be younger than Joe Burrow. He's younger than Joe Burrow today. He's going to be younger than Joe Burrow in two or three months, which is not a knock on Burrow. It's just a sense yeah. to remind us that, Darnold came into the NFL at age 21 and he's had injury issues. He's been surrounded by a horrible supporting cast and he's been tied to Adam Gase, who's going to go down legendarily as just one of the worst head coaches. And we've seen, and I know it's a cute trope right now, but all the guys who have left Adam Gase and, and seen their, their fantasy and real life values <laughs> spike, you know, their, their NFL fortunes prosper. Sam Darnold gets to start over. And I, and I think with what Carolina, I, again, I don't think, like you said, I don't think it was a prohibitive haul. I, there were some people who were high-fiving Douglas the moment they made the trade. I don't think the Jets got a ridiculous package for Darnold, but I don't think it was like a, a bad package either. It felt like about what was right. But because Darnold's still just 24, because I like the offensive people in charge in Carolina, and I get it, maybe you know they did do some... It's odd that they brought in Teddy Bridgewater with a good sense of what he was, and now they seem disappointed that Teddy Bridgewater was who he was all along. I mean, you know, that's to be expected. It's not likely that Sam Darnold's going to have like a Ryan Tannehill career, or, you know, if you go back a a few decades, it probably predates your birth. You know, Steve Young was horrible with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. (laughs) He lands in San Francisco with Joe Walsh and and, uh, Joe Walsh with Bill Walsh and and Jerry Rice. It'd be cool if Joe Walsh was was on the Niners too. But, uh, and yeah, it would make him a much better band, maybe not a better football team, but at least definitely have some better. Yeah, of course, Joe Joe Walsh was a lifetime contract with the Eagles, of course, so he never got to the 49ers. But, I'm just I'm just excited to see and, and you know some people were pushing back. I I like the move for both teams. The Jets are going to take probably Wilson, but certainly a quarterback. I agree with you. It doesn't make any sense to confuse the team and have if you have multiple quarterbacks. It's a long NFL saying that if you have multiple quarterbacks, you don't have any quarterbacks. I think the Jets need to draft their guy and go all in on him. Probably going to be Zach Wilson, as you said. And what's the point of having Darnold around? So it made sense for the Jets to get the draft capital. I just want to see what Sam Darnold does when he doesn't have mono, when he's not around a team that can't play, doesn't have any skill talent. Because that won't be a problem in Carolina. He's got McCaffrey. He's got DJ Moore. He obviously has experience with Robbie Anderson. They had a couple of connections in the Jets days. So I, I think Darnold has a chance to be interesting. And I like the, the people calling the plays there. I, I, liked the, I thought their offense was frisky at times last year. It wasn't consistent over the full season. But I think Darnold, I'm not willing to just say definitively Sam Darnold sucks and I'm done with him. I, I like to see what he could do now that he's getting a fresh start and he's way, you know, Adam Gase is completely in his rearview mirror. Yeah, I think I'm, theor- like I'm again, I'm theoretically excited about the player that Sam Darnold could be. The only thing, like one, just one point here about like the Adam Gase, post Adam Gase bump, which by the way is a real thing because Gase is like the stone worst play caller in the NFL. And obviously even he might, that's not even his worst quality. I think dealing with people might be his worst quality, sure. which is, which is a tough scene, right? He, like he's about the worst thing that you'd want to have happen to a young quarterback who, like you said, has had a lot of weird things go his way in his career, you know, with the mono situation, he's had a bunch of injuries. Uh, it's just, it's been as about, about as unlucky a start for Sam Darnold as, as you could possibly write up for a number two overall pick. But I, I will say the one thing with Tannehill, a couple of things that, that separate the Tannehill thing from the Darnold thing. One, Tannehill had like basically developed into an average starting quarterback um, before he started ripping up his ACL at every turn. And then things really went south uh, for him in Miami. But from like a statistical perspective, he had several years with over a 90 passer rating, you know, that pass rating is not everything. And you know, obviously people are going to freak out about that, but like he had some legit decent seasons. Darnold has again, never really even had a, he's had like a decent stretch his rookie year, but the last two years have been pretty poor. Tannehill is also, Maybe not at this point in his career, but this is a guy who used to play wide receiver. You know, he was like a big, big time athlete. He was much more 
um, athletic as a scrambler, you know, making plays outside of structure, all of that. Stuff, even if he didn't have the instincts for it right away, Darnold has, you know, he's a plus mover. Um, I, I remember some comparisons coming out of college to Tony Romo. Like that kind of makes sense. You know, a guy who can theoretically be physically gifted enough to improvise in the pocket, uh, but not a guy that you're going to be running a lot of boot play action, that type of stuff that Tannehill's so good at in, in Tennessee. So I think Tannehill always had more upside from a physical perspective and had a more proven pedigree than Darnold does at this juncture of his career. Um, if I think if the Panthers because let's let's be honest like Sam Darnold was not their first option I think their first option was Deshaun Watson and for a lot of reasons that's off the table at this point I think if the if the Panther if the Panthers had wanted to basically bring in Sam Darnold for the cost of a future second round pick and a couple other draft picks and let him compete with Teddy Bridgewater and let those two kind of go back and forth while not picking up his fifth year option um, then fine like then I think that makes a lot of sense but if they're going to trade Teddy Bridgewater or they're going to basically restructure him to essentially be you are the backup and that is who you are. And Sam Donald is just their guy for the next two years. I don't think that's a plan. I think that's basically like hoping that this thing comes together, which I just don't love for the organization. Totally agree that I don't think this was their first shot uh, and, and probably not their second shot. They they may have been interested in a Watson deal. And I think Carolina at one point was probably thinking, that they were going to draft a quarterback, but the way things have unfolded, the, the Niners make that big trade. It sure seems like they're going to take a quarterback at number three. So you may have three quarterbacks go off the board, boom, 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 and maybe a fourth one goes before Carolina even gets to the table. So this was, you know, the shot clock was running down. You have to do something. So maybe, you know, Darnold is a contested 15-footer. Let's talk about the collateral uh, adjustments or collateral damage, if you want to be mm-hmm. negative about it. Uh, DJ Moore, <laughs> Christian McCaffrey, Robbie Anderson, do you like these guys more or less about the same if the quarterback change ends up going to Darnold? What, what are you doing with those guys? Again, it's it's just tough because, like I said, I think right now what we know about these two guys, Teddy Bridgewater and Sam Darnold, I think Teddy Bridgewater is a better quarterback than Sam Darnold right now. But again, that's just based on the past. If we're projecting in the future, I do think, again, there's more theoretical upside with these guys if Sam Darnold – not if he – I don't think there's I think there's almost a zero percent chance I I would be stunned if Sam Darnold turns into a great starting quarterback but if he's an average quarterback for the next two years I do think that opens up the upside of some of these players you know DJ Moore was used as a vertical receiver last year in this offense which I think is sort of weird for his skill set I think he's better as a but, but that might change with Curtis Samuel off the board like I wonder because they use Curtis Samuel so much as a gadget and like slot receiver. You know, they signed David Moore from the Seattle Seahawks, who has kind of been in that vertical receiver role. Like he doesn't do what Curtis Samuel does at all. And obviously Curtis Samuel is a much better player than David Moore. And so with all these same guys, so I could see them actually flipping, flipping some of these roles around next year, because I think there's a lot enough versatility with Anderson and more that you could play these guys at split end flanker slot and move them around the field, which I think is good news for their fantasy stock. Uh, Robbie Anderson didn't necessarily sound like super hyped up to be playing with, with Sam Darnold. Like he had a, he had an interview with good morning football where he just was kind of like, yeah, I was really surprised. That was about as surprised as I possibly could have been. It wasn't sort of like, let me cape up for, for my guy, Sam here, but they did have a pretty decent history together. They had some good moments. His touchdown percentage uh, is much higher playing with Sam Darnold than it is with any of the other quarterbacks he's played with so far in his career. I don't think it moves the needle much for CMC. They're kind of right about there. And I don't know, Scott, I do like DJ Moore. I like Robbie Anderson, obviously Christian McCaffrey. Is a great player. Uh, they also added uh, Dan Arnold. That's going to be fun to play. Fun to say Dan Arnold catching passes from Sam Darnold. That's going to be that's going to be fun as, as a sleeper tight end there. But I think this skill position room with Samuel gone, the drop off from Anderson to Moore to the other Moore is pretty steep. Like I think this and the offensive line still has some questions. I think this is just an it's much 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 better than anything Darnold play with with the jets, but I think this is just like an okay offense right now on paper, uh, taking the quarterback out of it. Now, as we spin this from a fantasy perspective for Darnold, obviously in the standard league, he's going to be somebody who's going to sit on the free agent wire. will have to play his way on your roster. But as we see more people playing super flex, obviously the DFS for me, the DFS, not the DFS, the, uh, the best ball draft season for me starts right after the NFL draft. I'll start 
attacking best ball in part. We talked about this with Evan Silva a few weeks ago, just the greatest way to get the reps and get comfortable yep. with what the player pool looks like. So I guess from a, let's, let's think best ball. Would Sam Darnold be kind of a frisky quarterback three in your best ball lineup? Or would you, maybe would you prefer somebody like Daniel Jones? I mean, is there, can you sell me on an area where you might be clicking on Sam Darnold's name in a month from now? Yeah, I think best ball is a great area to sort of default onto that because it's like you could take him as that upside QB three at the end of your draft. You know, you have to obviously make a compilation of quarterbacks for your room in best ball because you're not able to stream and play the waiver wire, obviously. So I think he makes sense in that format. And I do think I, I love the offensive infrastructure that the Panthers have, even if I'm entirely confused on what the hell their plan is. And like, why is David Tepper just, he seems to be very impatient and very impulsive as an owner. If I'm confused on that, I'm definitely not confused on the fact that I like their offense and I like uh, Joe Brady as the offensive coordinator. I like the way they called plays last year. And it was very, very clear that Teddy Bridgewater was leaving a lot of meat on the bone. I don't know if Darnold's going to be the one to carve that meat off, but it was very clear that Teddy was leaving a lot on it. So I think there's some, you know, there's going to be some big weeks with Darnold. Uh, I think it's going to be an interesting ride there. So I, I take him in that format. But Daniel Jones, I would much, I don't love Daniel Jones. I don't know where you are with the Giants right now, but Daniel Jones is surrounded by a lot of talent. Like you could talk yourself into, I'm not going to do it, but I, you, the the general you, could talk yourself into him being this year's Josh Allen because they make a nice move at wide receiver. Uh, the problem is one of these teams has Jason Garrett. So I think I'd prefer Daniel Jones just on the offensive skill position around him alone, but um, I'm not that excited about either one of these quarterbacks. Well, I, I, I can't ignore the irony here that as you were talking about Darnold and Jones and their draft prospects, a garbage truck is moving through my neighborhood. So I, I think that's a way of saying maybe avoid these guys. But yeah. I, by the way, in best ball, I like to take three quarterbacks. I, I know a lot of it depends on how early you take the first one. There's a fragility point that maybe you should just take two and hope that they're healthy. But I usually find myself taking a frisky quarterback outside the top 20 for, for a third quarterback in best ball. I don't know if you have a preference to your roster construction. Of course, a lot, a lot of that is going to be determined in the middle of your draft when you yeah. see what type of players you have and what you what your expectations are from them. Do you, off the top of your head, seem like you have a preference two or three quarterbacks in best ball? Yeah, I think there are plenty of ways to skin the cat uh, in best ball. Shout out to cats. I'm sorry. I, I find that analogy to be sort of like uh, a little gruesome. But I said it anyways, and I, I think the point stands that there's plenty of ways to do it in best ball. And like you said, I think it's important to stay flexible uh, and not be like I think where there's been enough research in the industry now that best ball has been pretty popular for the last I don't know you know give or take five six years uh, that there's not like one most optimal like you've got to do it this way especially because there's so many platforms now with best ball I think you can be really flexible and it's important to sort of be open-minded with your roster construction I do know for me personally I, I'm not one to take the quarterback early so I usually like to compile a room of three guys, you know, from round nine to 13, it does get a little risky because at some point you could be staring at like quite literally a Daniel Jones, Sam Darnold, um, uh, drew lock, like three way quarterback situation, which I guess you could make work, but that does make me feel a little uncomfortable leaving a best ball draft. If you push that can too far down the road. It's funny you mentioned those three guys because they're all very similar in that I don't think anybody's sold on their talent, but yet they're all working with really interesting offensive pieces. Yeah, I've been dreaming of Denver landing a great quarterback, and then he gets, he gets to plop down in the middle of an unbelievable group of skill talent. Let's transition here. You mentioned in passing Josh Allen, and it gives us a great chance to talk about the Buffalo Bills. You've been working on some under-the-radar F, uh, free agent signings, FA signings the last few weeks and, and how they may affect fantasy football. And, and let's start with Emmanuel Sanders goes to Buffalo. Josh Brown is, is no longer with the team right now. I think the bills are pretty frisky at plus 600 to win the AFC. There, there's some cracks in the chiefs infrastructure. I, I think Buffalo may end up being plus 400 plus 450 plus 500. When the season starts, you might want to get over to bet MGM and, and see if you can get that 600. Now I like this team. They kept their offensive coordinator. Obviously Allen just had, what would have been you know, like a, a down ballot MVP season. He didn't win it, of course, but I mean, he was on the short list of candidates. I'm, I'm at the point now where whatever the bills are doing, I want to backline it. So I'm pro Sanders. How did you feel about that move? Yeah. So 
were you you know were you in on the uh, Gabe Davis hype train uh, there for probably which lasted maybe forty eight hours on fantasy Twitter? I, I've been a Davis fan. I mean, I, he he obviously didn't get asked to to run the reps that a lot of rookie receivers did, but I, I thought he was an explosive. It's funny he he ended up be, being last year a player I thought helped the Bills more than he helped out fantasy. Yep. He had the time to market on when he had the big games. I'm glad he's there. Um, you know, Sanders, of course, you know, brings a lot more experience and, and I also got to give Buffalo credit. I was not, I know you've always loved Stefan Diggs and you sing just songs. You, you write sonnets about his route running. It's true. I was concerned about how quickly he could get acclimated in Buffalo and, and, and him and Allen were peanut butter and jelly from like day one. It seemed like, I mean, I don't know what went on behind the scenes. I don't know how many reps they ran. I don't know how many zoom calls they were on together, but they were, Frazier and Monroe, they were they were rice to uh, Montana to rice, you know, whatever you want to say from day one. And when I, Sanders, to me, is, is kind of like a, a little bit of a poor man's digs and that he, he, he's a very reliable route runner. He's going to win in those tight spaces. He could be a great chain mover, a great third down guy. And Dable's the the X factor here. I, I think Brian Dable's going to be a head coach very soon. I'm a little bit surprised that he didn't get more traction in the job market, but that's the Buffalo's advantage. I I, I guarantee you, I, I want to leave you with this. I guarantee you I'm going to have an investment in the Buffalo Bills in one way or another this year. The Jets are rebuilding. The Patriots still at best look like a 9-8 and eight or 10-7 and seven team. And boy, is it going to take a while to get used to the 17-game schedule. Sh- shout out to you for nailing 9-8. and eight. That's got, I, you, you got it right now. I would have said 9-7 and seven, 100% in that spot, Scott. So you've adjusted well, I, better than I did. Well, I, I'm sure Jeff Fish is saying like, well, you know, who's going to go eight and a half, eight and a half, man? You know, who's going to push my legacy forward? You need to see more ties, NFL. Maybe get rid of the overtime. Anyway, I, I like this move. Uh, it d- Obviously, it does hurt Davis, as you said. I, I'm generally not somebody who pays up for a quarterback. I I think I'm going to, for FOMO reasons, if nothing else, I'm going to have to have some Josh Allen somewhere. I don't want to be sitting out the Josh Allen experience in 2021. Yeah. You know, most most of the time that we see these offenses have these huge historic seasons um, or these big breakout moments like the Bills did last year, they start losing pieces from it. And obviously, John Brown leaving is it's a bummer, but they replace him with Sanders. And I love you know, I love John Brown, but like I've also really been a fan of Manny Sanders for a long time for a lot of the same reasons as a separator. The fact that they have Brian Dable in place does make me want to go totally all in once again. And I drafted a lot of Josh Allen, a lot of Stefan Diggs last year because of all of those sonnets that I write about the route running. Um, you know, shout out to good music there. But like this offense, I want to run it back with because they're running it back. That that makes me excited that they kept the coaching staff together. And the point that I made in the article uh, for the website about uh, about Emmanuel Sanders to the Bills is not that like I'm interested in drafting Emmanuel Sanders. I actually think there's a chance that he could be the fourth receiver behind Gabe Davis if Gabe Davis comes in and knocks their socks off in the offseason program, whatever the offseason program looks like this year. Um, I do think it digs into the upside of uh, Cole Beasley a little bit. I don't think it hurts Stefan Diggs at all. And in fact, I actually think it could, in a weird way, be good news for all of these receivers because I think it shows us Buffalo's intent, which is they still want to be a pass-first, wide receiver-centric offense. Like, you don't go at a proven really good vet like Emmanuel Sanders to be your third or fourth receiver unless you still want to run that type of system. I think the next domino from a fantasy angle that has to fall for the Bills is when when and if they take a running back in the NFL draft. I would sort of be surprised if they took a running back in the first round. I know some of their beat writers are really, uh, no pun intended, beating that drum that they should. Uh, but I, I kind of like that they didn't necessarily go out and you know invest in a Leonard Fournette, a Chris Carson, anything like that, like one of these big swing running backs because, and they just doubled down on what they did really well last year, like because that identity helped them win. I, I'm just excited. I, I am so ready for the Buffalo Bills season and whatever yeah. their win total is, is going to be early. I, I think I'm going to pound that and move it up by myself if I can. Let's uh, shout out to Marvin Jones who's just doing a tour. Of uh, of lesser NFL franchises, he spent a lot yeah. of time with the Bengals, as we know. Oh and man, told in, told in Detroit. This is a guy who found a way to score four touchdowns in a game with the Bengals, four touchdowns in a game with the Lions. I thought it was always a little bit underrated. He had some trouble staying on the field here and there, but uh, Marvin Jones, I think, has been underrated for most of his career, and and now he hooks on with the Jaguars. So again, you know that that's his passport in the NFL. It's, it's Bengals, it's Lions, it's Jaguars. 
But the Jaguars could be a fun team. You know, presumably they're going to have uh, Lawrence is going to be their number one pick, and you would think he would play right away. I thought their offense was a little bit frisky last year. I, I, I think the Jaguars are going to be a fun team this year, and I think Marvin Jones is going to have a piece of that. What say you? I actually think they could be a really value offense next year, which is weird to say because it's the Jaguars, and we haven't been excited about this team from a fantasy perspective. We haven't been excited about this team um, you know, very often at all in their existence, but certainly from a fantasy lens, we haven't been excited about them since that 2015 uh, burst with Allen Robinson and Blake Bortles literally winning fantasy leagues. But like this team, I I think when you kind of look at them after adding Marvin Jones, and I agree with you, Marvin Jones, very underrated player. I think he's one of the best 50-50 ball receivers in the NFL, like the consummate cut from stone uh, example of a number two receiver. So if DJ Chark is sort of able to take that next step, he had a really injury ruined 2020 campaign and obviously just playing in a chaotic environment in general but if he's able to sort of be that fringe number one receiver they got a great two in jones lavisca chenault is really interesting as a potential big slot gadget hybrid receiver you know urban meyer has history with those guys like curtis samuel back at ohio state i think they could carve out a really fun role with with him obviously james robinson we'll see if they draft another running back but he is a guy that was really good last year and i think their offensive line is just is pretty. It, it's not like one of the five worst in the NFL. And oh, by the way, they might be adding the best quarterback prospect to come in the league uh, ever. You know, ever, like Trevor Lawrence is at that level. This could potentially be a really frisky offense last year, next year. And other than tight end, tight end is the one spot that I think that's a glaring, glaring hole for this team. But other than that, like this offense doesn't have one spot where I'm like they're in trouble. Uh, right there, if you think the offensive line is decent, these three receivers are pretty good, and Robinson's good in the backfield. Yeah, I love the the point you made about Chenault. And also remember, if you go back far enough, Urban Meyer and Percy Harvin made yeah. beautiful music at Florida with, with Tim Tebow throwing the throwing the football of all things. But you know, Percy Harvin, there's probably some younger people listening to this pod or playing fantasy football who never got to see the good side of Harvin or don't even really know who he was. He was a really Amazing. fun player at his peak. He was a blast at the University of Florida. And those early years with the Vikings were really, he was just like, you just always wanted to see him get his hands on the ball. And you knew any play where he touched it could potentially be a touchdown. I, I was a huge Percy Harvin fan. Unfortunately, he, he ran into a bunch of injury problems. He had the migraine issues for a while, never really popped in Seattle, but there was a moment where Percy Harvin was, was like on my top five list of, of skill players in the league. I forgot that uh, Percy Harvin had a two year stint with the bills too. Right, uh, like right. in 2015 and 2016, uh, that was like my first couple of years, like covering fantasy football and being like, hey, I could talk myself into Percy Harvin one more time. Let me tell you what, it didn't work. You know, the, the Jags didn't do much with their backfield free agency, but uh, it looks like James Robinson, at least into the draft, still has that number one gig. And I don't know why they would attack. I would think after they take Lawrence, they're, they're probably not going to go to an offensive skill player. It, can we call James Robinson a winner in free agency just because there hasn't been you – know, Carlos Hyde is there, so what? I, I think Robinson is another guy. We like the offense. If the offense is pointing upward, if the arrow is moving upward on, the, on this team, wouldn't that stand to um, to buoy the fantasy value of Robinson? Yeah, I agree. You know, Carlos Hyde doesn't move the needle that that much for me. I will say Carlos Hyde still kind of looked like a badass last year. A couple times he got the got the ball for Seattle. I was like, yeah, this guy still has it. Uh, this is his second stint of duty in Jacksonville because he left. Did he get cut or traded from the Browns? Uh, Nick Chubb's rookie year, and then you know Chubb just obviously went wild. Uh, I think that was a, one of those weird Hugh Jackson years in Cleveland. But he he did go to Jacksonville that year. But at the same time, like since then, Hyde has had a good year with the Texans. He was like the Seahawks backup, like I said last year. He still looks like he might – he has it. I actually think that's a good enough addition for them to just sit on their hands and not take another running back in the NFL draft. Also, Carlos Hyde does have history with Urban Meyer at Ohio State. State. Sure. So there's some connective tissue there. I hope that that's the only move they make because that doesn't dissuade me enough from James Robinson, especially because I think he will be on like every fantasy regression list because – of his undrafted free agent pedigree and uh, also because the one big, you know, pos- like one of the biggest positives from Robinson's rookie year was he was like the only Jaguars running back to carry the ball for a huge stretch of games from them. That's obviously not going to happen with Carlos Hyde in tow, but 
he's going to be splitting the backfield maybe 80-20, whereas he was just the 100% guy last year. But he's going to be splitting that 80-20 backfield of an offense that I think, as you and I are saying, we're much more excited with Trevor Lawrence in tow than, you know, freaking Gardner Minshew and Jake Luton and um, uh, Mike Glennon. I mean, come on, give me a break. Yeah, I can't believe that Mike Glennon actually was – Seeing starts last year, I, I still think Minshew could maybe morph into his generation's Ryan Fitzpatrick. You're just one of those guys. Yeah. Maybe you don't want to start with him. You don't want to marry him, but he's a great bullpen guy. If you need a spark for a second half, you need a spark for three or four games when your starter is hurt. I think a lot of teams would like him as a backup or maybe even teams that are screwed a quarterback that could just try to knock some rocks together and hope they create a spark. So I, I'm, I'm interested in what Minshew becomes, but certainly there's not a lot of upside there. Uh, you know, the other quarterbacks you mentioned – you know, Glennon and, and Luton. You know, I, I never trust the quarterbacks who are as tall as those guys are. I, I know Lawrence is actually pretty tall too, although he's, yeah, he's athletic. Huge. When we talk about free agent signings, I mean, of course, for fantasy, we're going to a lot of times focus on the skill guys, but we have to look at the full picture. And the offensive line is a huge part. Understanding offensive lines, I'm not saying you have to break down the blocking schemes and everything, but you need to know what's going on with the team's offensive line. And I know the Chargers got your attention. They made a couple of big splash moves. Corey Lindsley, last seen in Green Bay, uh, going to the Pro Bowl. He's now the Chargers center. They also added Matt Filer to solidify their guard spot. Nothing wrong with putting some some big beef in front of your uh, generational quarterback as uh, they enter the year two of that setup. New coach. I'm talking myself into the Chargers as some prop yep. value, plus 550 to win the AFC West on BetMGM. Uh, to talk about what they did the offensive line and, and how you feel about this team in general. Yeah, they sort of slipped under the radar because they made the Lindsley move, especially uh, they made these moves quickly right out of the gate in free agency. And then they were just kind of quiet. And I love, love these two moves, especially Lindsley, because, you know, I think for Justin Herbert to take the next step in his development, like he came out and was electric as a rookie, you know, throwing the ball, um, obviously doing a lot with his legs, too. But I think if he's going to like take that next like pre-snap sort of evolution as a quarterback having a great center is a perfect start for that you know because Lindsley can be great about call like he'll take that some of that stuff off Herbert's shoulders in his second year and I think that will stave off any sort of statistical regression for Herbert by letting the center you know and and Lindsley's one of the best centers in the NFL so you know it's not as if they just uh, added some goofball right Uh, this is a this is a really really quality addition love that also kind of leaves them to maybe take some another another offensive skill position player or two and maybe round one, two, three of the draft because, you know, this is a very top-heavy unit. They lost Hunter Henry in free agency. Obviously, XFL superhero Donald Parham and uh, Jared Cook are holding down the tight end position right now, but Keenan Allen's still a stud. Austin Eckler, I think, like, listen, I was so excited to draft Austin Eckler last year. I'll be running that bad boy back one more time uh, next year. Probably even more excited. Uh, I love that. Mike Williams, I think, is an underrated receiver. He's going to get hurt. We know that. But he's also a splashy guy. I could still see them, like, if they're just going to leave Brandon Staley, the defensive side of the ball. And I think you could actually argue that, like, from a a depth of talent perspective, obviously they don't have – Uh, Aaron Donald and and Jalen Ramsey, like literally two of the five best defensive players in the NFL. But there's a decent depth of talent here on the Chargers defense. Maybe they add more weapons around Herbert in the draft after solidifying this offensive line. It's really, like you said, it's really easy to talk yourself into the Chargers and get pretty excited. And when I think go back to the the plus 550 that they are right now to win the division, Denver doesn't have a quarterback. I feel like I've gone, I ping pong back and forth on the Raiders when they, brought in Gruden. I thought it was a mistake. And then there was a point where I was ready to walk it all back. And the moment yeah. I was ready to apologize to Gruden, everything's gone rotary phone again with that team. And I, I'm like, no, I, I was right at the original time. This is like a five and 12. See my ability to, to add up to 17. You're this is a so five good 12, at the, you're, you're, You are literally blowing me away with how good you are at that. I'm going to be saying five and 11 until I'm like, until I'm, 51 years old basically yeah, um, i think it's because i played i've played so much blackjack and I'm, I'm used to getting 17 which is a lousy hand in black is a negative tv <laughs> hand in blackjack so if you want to also you also do hockey you know baseball like all these other sports that actually have like you know obviously more games number one but different records i'm just a dummy like one one sport brain guy but on your point about Gruden, Scott, I, I've already figured this out. This is the perfect way to figure the group, like to talk about Gruden. I think okay. he has come back and shown that he is a great offensive coach. I love the way he designs this offense. I love the way that he gets the most out of guys like 
damn Nelson Aguilar. Uh, and I love the, like what they do with Darren Waller. I think this offense is very well called. I think this offense is very well designed. I think Gruden is a terrible in-game co- like manager, and he is an awful personnel guy uh, because he's just he's way too impulsive. <laughs> so um, I think that's basically like that's the talking point with Gruden. So the, in one way, like the middle ground was the re- like you can it's easy to ping pong between so many things because he wears too many hats. You know, he's the play yeah. caller, offensive designer, head coach. Uh, general manager. I think uh, Mike Mayock is set up to be his fall guy basically any day now. Uh, but the good news is they still have like seven more years of this experience left due to the, due the Raiders. That's a very fair and I think important take. We can respect and have admiration for Gruden's work on the offensive side of the ball. And as you said, you know, Waller, who was always an interesting guy in Baltimore, but never really got a chance to play. He's, his, his life has had a, a lot of twists and turns to it. They turned him into a monster. He He just got a good enough season from Aguilar that the Patriots gave him a huge contract. So, so Nelson Aguilar has nothing bad to say about John Gruden. He just got the <laughs> yeah. man paid. So that, that's a key. That's a key point. I, I will say this: I, everything about the Kenyon Drake signing, just I recoil to that, and I'm not excited about Drake there. I, I know we've talked about Drake on previous pods. Just give me a are you red light, green light, yellow light on Drake with the Raiders. Oh, uh, screaming red light. Also, uh, I just I just for the first time in over a year saw my friend Marcus Grant uh, recently, and for some reason the only football thing we talked about was how stupid it is for the the Raiders to sign Kenyon Drake and then be like he's a he's going to be a receiver for us when they just drafted Lynn Bowden to do that last year and traded him away in five seconds after picking him and then he actually had a couple of decent stints doing exactly that. For the Dolphins. So it like adds a layer of stupidity on what's already kind of a stupid signing. Shout out to Marcus Grant doing a great job with all sort all things fantasy and, and all other stuff over at NFL.com. Part of your posse, man, you're just going to be a 30 for 30 done on, on you guys someday. It's going to be like that the Packers coaching tree in the early 90s. It's going to show all you, all you guys in your young 20s. And you've gone on to, to bigger and, and greater things and, and all that stuff. You guys will reunite 20 years later and, and tell stories in a steakhouse or something. Uh, because crossed. we can't get enough offensive lineman signings on this podcast. Talk about the Raiders. Uh, they had a problem last year. Marshall Yanda took his Hall of Fame career and retired, and they never really got guards solved. So uh, they brought in Kevin Zeitler as, uh, you know, again, it's, it's not maybe the buzziest fantasy signing, but there's a piece that Baltimore needed. They weren't able to get an impact wide receiver. Obviously, Sammy Watkins doesn't qualify there, but uh, Zeitler at least is going to help this offense in 2021. <laughs> Sammy Watkins, though, has 100% come into, ball, uh, come into Baltimore and immediately just started kissing the ring, like s- totally sucking up to Lamar, which, I mean, good. That's what you should do, right? Like he's, 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 uh, he's coming and kissed that ring for sure. On the Zeitler signing, though, I loved this move. Again, it was very quick. Like as free agency was starting because Zeitler was actually released by the Giants. I think I think I'm getting that right. But anyways, you know, he he was a guy who this is his this is his uh, third team in the AFC North that he's played with. He obviously uh, had started with the Bengals, went to, or went Browns, Bengals, blah blah blah, uh, and then to the Giants from there. But love this signing because it just solidifies, like you said, a problem area. I think the. Baltimore Ravens offense, there was no shortage of things to complain about last year. Um, and I don't think they've solved all those problems. I think Greg Roman will always sort of be a, a, pro- a problematic figure there. I think they're just way too run heavy. That's why none of these receivers wanted to f- wanted to sign there. I think they could open things up a little bit more. But one of the problems that was – one of the things was an issue from the jump was the offensive line play. Obviously, Yonder retires. I think this will help there. And also, don't forget, they're getting back Ronnie Stanley. Like, Ronnie Stanley was one of the best left tackles in the game, fresh off a massive contract extension, and then he goes down. So they're actually improving two spots, of which was what was a really problematic area. That alone makes me a lot more excited about the Ravens' offense than had they signed, I don't know, you know, Juju Smith-Schuster or something like that. Obviously, they need another receiver, like an actual good over the middle guy, someone like Juju actually would have been a really perfect fit in Baltimore. I would have really liked that signing, but I think this signing moves the needle for the offense more than had they added another receiver, basically. And we know it's a loaded wide receiver class. And when we say that, I mean, you know, we all talk about the guys who are going to go up front, all those Alabama receivers, Chase is back in our lives. And man, does he just look unbelievable, but there's going to be, we've seen it so many times the last few years, how many times a second round receiver, a third round receiver, a fourth round receiver has popped. You know, the Giants got some value out of a fifth round receiver. I, 
if they want to fortify that position, they can do it in the draft and they don't necessarily have to do it at the front of the draft. I would love to see them add Rashad Bateman, Minnesota wide receiver who played a little bit of outside uh, in 2000, played, well, played mostly X receiver outside in 2019, played a little bit of slot uh, last year. I think they could have some positional versatility there. If Bateman is their big slot receiver, Sammy Watkins is their who cares decoy X, uh, and they're using Marquise Brown in some more creative ways as their flanker, suddenly you're kind of like, you're kind of cooking with gas uh, there in Baltimore. It's just everybody's going to hate it for fantasy because there's just, there's, for, at this point, it's just hard to imagine there's going to be enough volume for all of these guys to pop. Not that anyone cares if Watkins pops, but, you know, it is what it is. Give me a quick answer on this before we transition. Like the Bills, the Ravens are plus 600 over at BetMGM to win the AFC. If I were to give you a free ticket on either one of those teams, Buffalo or Baltimore, which ticket would you take? Oh, Buffalo. I'm just more more confident in the infrastructure right now, more confident in their offensive identity being something that sustains itself. Although I'm I'm really rooting for Lamar to to win, you know, to to have a couple runs in the playoff. It's unbelievable. Like last year, there was all this discourse, Scott, about oh, Lamar finally gets this playoff monkey off his back. It's like this guy's been in the league for a second. You know, right. give me a break. Like we used to kill Peyton Manning for not winning a Super Bowl like ten years into his career or something like that. I uh, know I'm 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 revising history there, but that's not the point. He's got a long time. He's got a long time to win some more playoff games. Sure, absolutely. Well, I, I mentioned Buffalo and I mentioned Baltimore on the AFC odds, and of course the favorite. I think it was plus one ninety the last I checked. The Chiefs are, of course, and we just last time we saw the Chiefs, they they played in the Super Bowl. I think you remember it, and it yep. was dominated by Tampa Bay. And Patrick Mahomes was running for his life the whole game. Nobody could block anybody. Mahomes made some of the most un- – Mahomes played like the greatest game I've ever seen a quarterback play when his offense scored nine points. I mean, just, the greatest you know, the bad platform. game of all time. Like the, literally. Yeah, the, the platform <laughs> he was thrown to, you know. Uh, so what's happened? They've, they've cut personnel on the offensive line. Obviously, they, they let Watkins go. He's with Baltimore now. I'm curious, you being the czar of all things wide receiver, I'm curious what your state of the McCole Hardman address is right now, and, and maybe just the state of the Chiefs. Because even though they're on paper the favorite in the AFC, I see some cracks in this infrastructure here. Uh, give me a rundown on how you see this team. Yeah, I think you're right to point out some of the cracks here. Number one, the offensive line, they add Joe Tooney for sure. That's a good signing. Uh, I'm interested to see what Kyle Long brings. They bring him out of retirement. You know, Maybe he plays guard. Maybe he's, he plays tackle. I think there's a chance that either Eric Fisher or Mitchell Schwartz could be back. Schwartz might retire, though. That is something to watch. Uh, so there's a chance. And like by the way, Fisher probably is not going to be ready for the start of the season. He tore his Achilles <laughs> like right before the Super Bowl. So uh, that is pro- that's problematic there. I think they add offensive line help in the draft. And I also think they badly need to add uh, receiver help. What do you make of the fact that, well, for one, McCole Hardman, I'm in like total wait and see mode and like basically anything that he gets from him or basically anything we get from him, I think would be gravy at this point. He's not really stepped up when there's ample opportunity for him to step up. And I thought he was just like an okay, not great prospect coming out of uh, school anyways. So I really just don't have any expectations there at this point. Uh, what's, what are your thoughts about the fact that like they kind of got left at the altar by all of these, you know, receivers reportedly, right? Like Juju comes out and says he has an offer from from the Chiefs. Who knows if that was like what kind of offer that was? Uh, but they weren't able to bring in any receivers, despite seemingly being interested in that market. You know, and maybe Ty was another guy that was connected there as well. I do think they badly need to address this receiver room though, because like it's Tyreek Hill and then a steep drop off after that, and even at it, at tight end, it's Travis Kelsey and a steep drop off after that. If one of those two guys was to ever get hurt, you're suddenly looking at like you know the Demarcus Robinson experience again, and we've because he resigned there, and we, we've seen that movie enough. I feel like did I hear correctly that they put a second round tender on Byron Pringle? I mean, is that what it's come to for the Chiefs? That (laughs) that they they need him to be a part of this team? Kelsey into an age 32 season. You you know, I talked myself into, before the Super Bowl, I talked myself into some of the Hardman props because I like the way they were manufacturing touches for him. It seemed to make sense to me because he's still so, at least from my eye, you would know more than I, I would because you analyze this stuff, but it sure seems like Hardman's still very raw as his downfield routes. And so let's find the easiest path to get him the ball. The the jet sweep action, literally just throw him, hand him the ball or throw him that little pop pass 
where he he's, you know, two feet in front of Mahomes, and then he can do what he does best, which is run. Remember, he came into college as a defensive back. He hasn't played receiver that that long. He's he's still one of the fastest guys in the NFL. It doesn't seem fair that Tyreek Hill and McCole Hardman are on the same team. Yeah, right. <laughs> but I would have liked to see Juju would have been a great fit here. Yep, I, I would have liked to see somebody else added. Maybe they'll draft somebody. I don't know. But I just hope before the season starts, Patrick Mahomes is one of these guys that even if I don't get any Patrick Mahomes in fantasy, I just he's the face of the league. He's the most fun player in the league for me. And I just want Patrick Mahomes to be great. I just want – if I watch an NFL Sunday and the games are kind of choppy and I see the Chiefs are playing that night, I'm like, oh, great. I get to spend three hours watching Patrick <laughs> yeah. Mahomes you know, be <laughs> Steph Curry. Awesome. I can enjoy an offense. And I did not enjoy that offense in the Super Bowl. So I just hope oh, yeah. they can have him. And look, nobody feels sorry for Patrick Mahomes when he's lived his entire career with Andy Reid, Tyreek Hill, and Travis Kelsey. Who wouldn't want – that type of infrastructure around you. But, you know, if the blocking isn't solidified, I just worry that Mahomes is going to be under duress. And while I would never want to openly root for or bet on an injury, I, I when I see the, the cracks in the Chiefs' interior, they're still really good. I can't bet them at plus nine, 190. Again, it's pushing me to these Buffalo seasonal interests that I think I'm going to punch probably pretty soon. Yeah, I love that. I, I agree that we could be sort of transitioning into the next phase of Mahomes' career where – more is plate like he's always going to have a good leg up because he's got Andy Reid there uh, and obviously Travis Kelsey and Tyree Kill are, are top end talents but this this team is sneaky shallow right now at this point around him no this is this is not going to be a hard question to ask I posted this to Twitter a couple days ago and, and like 90% of Twitter nailed this right away but I'm going to ask you anyway Matt um, Sports Illustrated football preview 2019 so this is less than two years ago they had an NFL player on the cover and then the headline said the He'll carry your fantasy team. He'll fill up your feed. He'll destroy you in Fortnite. Blank is the perfect NFL star. I ask you, Matt Harmon, who was on the cover of SI, the perfect NFL star in 2019? I mean, it's not fair because the answer is on the outline. Um, but and the for, <laughs> Fortnite thing kind of gives it away, too. Yes, Plus, we've mentioned, we've mentioned his name a few times. It is Juju Smith-Schuster. So give me, Matt, I, hey, back in 2019, I was talking about this guy could win a yardage title. He ends up going back to the Steelers. He may be the third best receiver on that team. It's just a one-year deal. He'd like to make good and then and maybe go somewhere else. Who knows? Maybe maybe him and the Steelers will, will be back in love with each other in a year. I don't know. Just give us a state of what's what's happened to Juju? Because I, I thought he was like a somebody you took at the wheel two years ago in fantasy drafts. Now I don't know what to do with him. You've gone under the hood with him, you know, analyzing all the routes he runs. Just where are we with Juju these days? Scott, this is how good of a, a, a memory I have about things that absolutely don't matter. Uh, you you made me a publicly apologize to Juju on this podcast in, in like three previous iterations of what this podcast has been uh, because I talked – I was so down on him going into his 2018 season that was obviously massive. <laughs> so that's how like – look the cycle of how these things go, right? But my stance on Juju as an individual player has never changed and it's that he has to be – a big slot. Uh, you cannot run an offense through him because he doesn't separate versus press man coverage at any point. I think the Steelers have realized that. And like, to me, again, Juju has been the exact same guy for all four years of his career. The environment around him has just drastically changed that they, I, I think that when we talk about Antonio Brown being there and not being there, that's a huge difference. You just watching them play early in the early in Juju's career, like it's so many free releases from the slot, so many uh, layup looks because Brown was there. There, there's like there's not a lot of. Um, I would say that a, that a lot of like the sort of analysis around like, oh, double coverage and like extra defensive attention, most of it is noise and it's way overstated in, in my experience watching and charting receivers. Like it's not as much like people don't just dictate three or two guys on every snap to one player. But there are players like Antonio Brown who are legitimately, you know, he's one of the five best receivers to ever play pro football. Uh, at least you could argue that like that, that's a coverage dictating guy. <laughs> so I, I right. think that was a drastic difference for Juju. But you know, I think the offense has, has just changed around him. Uh, and I don't think it's been for the better. Like, this is a tough team to really get your head around going into 2021 because I love their three receiver set. Like, now that Juju is sort of viewed as just a really strong number two uh, receiver, I actually think, like, that's a good, like, now the national sort of 
attention and his reputation has caught up to what I think he is as a player. I'm a big Deontay Johnson fan. I think Chase Claypool is really interesting. Like their one, two, three of wide receivers is really appealing. But what does Ben Roethlisberger have left? Also, they don't seem to have a plan beyond Roethlisberger this year. One of their beat writers, Mark, I think it's Mark Kelboy or Cowboy for I'm screwing his name up, but he writes for the athletic, right? He wrote a piece basically showing that this, the Steelers are kind of setting up like this is a clean house year and just like not they're not tanking. They're not doing a soft tank, right? Like you don't bring Ben Roethlisberger back to tank a year, but they're basically sort of writing off this year to be whatever they want. And then they can sort of start reimagining the team next year. Like they've basically put off the pain or they're going to take the pain this year for whatever this team is, uh, both from a from a reputation standpoint with Roethlisberger and, and just whatever it is and just start actually building a new team next season. If you look at their moves, basically his point was like, that's kind of the way it it looks on paper. I just, from all that, I don't really know what to make of this team in fantasy because despite the fact that I love their three receivers, their offensive line is worse. Roethlisberger was terrible last year and is another year older. Uh, They might take a running back in the first round of the NFL draft. It seems like a lot of people want to connect them to Najee Harris, but We'll see. I, I just think this offense is 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 tough to look at, and I'd I'd be surprised if I'd be surprised if Juju comes back to the team next year, just because it seemed like you know, he got bigger offers elsewhere. Who knows if what that means? Uh, but I think he came back to the Steelers basically out of sort of of convenience and like, hey, I didn't get a great offer anywhere else. Like, I, I at least I know this team. I like my teammates. They like me. Uh, and let's just run this thing back, and I don't have to move. If the Chiefs had legitimate interest, if I were Juju, I would have signed for anything Kansas City offered for one year. Yeah, that makes no sense. Live live under the the screen of Kelsey and Tyree Kill. You know, Hill's another guy that every team has to be paranoid of him the yep. moment they come out of the tunnel and then maybe attack next year. Let me ask you two quick fill-in-the-blank questions on the Steelers. You are not allowed to give analysis. I just want an answer. Got it. Does Pittsburgh make the playoffs in 2021, yes or no? No. I lean no, too. Remember, the strength of this team is the defense, and we've seen football outsiders most notably, but a lot of sites have proven that football just has, doesn't have the continuity year over year. That's why you're so much better at building a stable offense. So I worry that there's going to be maybe just a little bit of natural gravity regression to that defense, and I really don't trust the offense. Okay, Matt, the Pittsburgh receiver you expect to have the most investment in next year is who? Yeah, it's going to be Deontay Johnson. I think he's the, be- I think he's the best player. Gonna Sorry, agree that was analysis. With you. I apologize. Oh, how dare you add that deep level of analysis? You couldn't help it. So you know, you want to tell me about how you know how he runs the slot, how he runs with leverage from the slot, and and how his hip turn is lead or whatever it is. The words of Matt Harmon are czar of the wide receiver. Please check out his work with reception perception. It is groundbreaking. I don't understand all of it, but I, I know it's really smart. And I'm glad he's on our team. If you like podcasts like the Yahoo Fantasy Football Podcast, we have a lot more of those. Over at Yahoo Sports, how about the Yahoo Sports College podcast with Wetzel Thamel and our old friend Pat Forty that did a bang-up job with the NCAA tournament, of course. A thousand players in the NCAA uh, transfer portal right now for hoops. Always a good time to talk college football. Always something going on fun with those guys. So check out that threesome and post it up with Chris Haynes for all your NBA needs. Uh, Check out that show as well. Of course, you can follow us on Twitter. Yahoo Fantasy, that's uh, the Yahoo Fantasy handle. I'm Scott underscore Pianowski, Matt Harmon underscore BYB. What does BYB stand for? Backyard Banter. It was my original blog when I first uh, popped up out of Lynchburg, Virginia, trying to make a, a scene or trying to make it on the scene as a, as a football writer. I was writing a Backyard Banter. And uh, it's, it's, Scott, it's basically like having like an ex's name tattooed on you. Like you can't really get rid of it, but it's, you're just kind of <laughs> stuck with it. So there you go. Matt still has the tattoo. No laser removal in his future. Uh, Liz Loza will be back later this week, continuing her excellent rookie snapshot series you got to know these you know the the days of just fading all the rookies is gone these guys come in and they make impacts right away she's going over wide receiver prospects so you're going to want to check that out until then for matt for our producer brett i am scott we'll talk to you soon